Father in heaven, even now, we have sung of your greatness, of how wonderful the gospel is, that there truly is hope and good news found in you and you alone, Jesus. We've given of our tithes and our offerings. You have led us as we have voted to nominate those to be on a search committee. God, we we come to this point now in the service where we seek to worship you through your word. This word that was perfectly crafted by your Holy Spirit, breathed out by you, God. We ask that you would move, and that you would speak in spite of the message, that your message would be delivered to all of us together this morning as we sit at your throne and humbly seek to hear from you. Father, would you use your word to convict us and to challenge us, but also to comfort us, to reassure us, and to give us the encouragement we need to face this life. All of this is possible through the reading and teaching and proclamation of your holy word, Lord. So we ask that you move now. We ask all this in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. This morning, church, we're going to be in the book of Colossians. So if you have your Bible, and I hope that you do, I encourage you to either turn it on or turn in your Bible to the book of Colossians in the New Testament towards the back quadrant of your Bible, if you will. If you don't have your own copy of God's Word, please know there is one in the back of the pew there in front of you. Um, If you don't own your own copy of God's Word, please take that copy as our gift to you. And we'll gladly put a new one in the back of the pew there before next Sunday. But however you might be accessing the word of the Lord, I ask if you're physically able, would you please stand out of reverence for the public reading of God's holy word? We're only going to look at three verses this morning, so we won't be standing long. And I'm going to do something I don't normally do. Instead of taking the entire passage, I want us to read verse 17 and then skip down to verses 23 and 24. After I've read for us, I'll say this is the word of the Lord. I encourage you to respond by saying thanks be to God. Let's look together now in Colossians chapter 3, beginning in verse 17. The word of the Lord says, And whatever you do, in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Now, look with me at verse 23. Whatever you do, work heartily as for the Lord and not for men, knowing that from the Lord you will receive the inheritance as your reward. You are serving the Lord Christ. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Amen. I know it's very out of the ordinary for us to only read three verses, and if you guys would like for me to go back to reading 18 to 30 verses, I could, I could definitely do that next week. But for this week, we're just looking at three short verses. These three verses are tied together within the context of what Paul is writing. It, it actually shows up in the midst of the household code. He's talking to husbands and wives and slaves and masters. He's talking about unity in Christ, and he's talking about serving Christ. And what I think happens to us, what I know happens to me, is that oftentimes I over-spiritualize what takes place during this hour. I over-spiritualize Sunday mornings, Sunday school and Sunday worship. 
Honestly, I oftentimes am tempted to over-spiritualize everything that involves the church. I'm tempted to over-spiritualize the meal on Wednesday night. I'm tempted to over-spiritualize everything that we do together as a church body. And I would say that those of us who are very involved in church or even those who are on the fringe, they over-spiritualize things. You can see this even in when people find out that I am a pastor. And people often don't know this, but I try with all my might to go incognito in regular life. I I try not to say, hi, I'm a pastor. You should be in reverence right now. No, 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 no. People change immediately when they know that you're a pastor. They straighten up. They, well, yes, sir. Oh, well, mm-hmm, pastor, this, it's great to see. I, you know, I was talking to the Lord the other day. You know, all of a sudden, uh, the police officer pulls you over. And while the police officer standing there, oh, yes, I love the law. The law is my favorite thing. The speed limits, I think they're very fair, officer. These, these are very good speed limits. I, I, I don't know why people think that a pastor is the church police. But even with the title comes a change, an over-spiritualization. But see, the opposite of that is also true. What I've observed in my own life and in the lives of our church is that we under-spiritualize everything that happens away from church. We over-spiritualize everything that we do when we're together, and we under-spiritualize everything that we do when we're away from this place, or when we're doing something official for the church. That's what Paul is addressing in these Verses As he's talking to slaves and masters, as he's talking about the unity within the church, singing psalms and hymns and psalms and making melodies in our heart, coming together, doing all things for the Lord. That's why we read verse 17. Whatever you do in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus. That's why I point out every time we gather together, all right, what we do is we worship through song, we worship through giving. We worship through preaching. We worship through every aspect of what happens here when we're gathered together. That's verse 17. In all that you do, in all that you say, as you're worshiping the Lord, as you're gathered together, as you're singing songs and psalms and spiritual songs and making melodies in your heart and all those things, everything should worship the Lord. Everything should be about the Lord. But what's beautiful is when he moves into this household code, And he starts talking about wives and husbands and children and slaves and masters and all of these things. I want us to take the slaves and masters concept and just apply it to your boss and you as a worker. Or if you are the boss, you as the employer running your company. However the situation may strike you, I want us to take what he says to slaves and masters and apply it to ourselves outside of this place. Whatever you do. So let's dive into the Greek of what it means when it says, whatever you do. All right, this is a really interesting phrase. It ties back to the Hebrew. And in every language that you translate it in, it means everything you do. It's not complicated, y'all. I ain't got to break down no Greek for you just to say, whatever you do means everything you do. That means if you're at work, that means if you're at the school, that means if you're going by the pharmacy, that means if you're at the bank, that means if you are standing in line at the DMV, that means if you need to get a license, if you have to get your tag renewed, that means if you're making dinner, that means if you're picking up your kids from school, that means if you're one of those people who gets to the school at 12 o'clock and reads a book for three hours before your kids actually get released from the school, everything you do, do it all heartily. Working for the Lord, not men. 
You're not working for your employer. You're not working for Power South. You're not working for Covington County School District. You're not working for Andalusia City School System. You're not working for whoever you might think you're working for. How you and I represent ourselves is service to the Lord. 100%. People should be able to tell a difference in us in the way that we live Monday through Saturday, and that draws them to this place on Sunday. You see, Paul says this because we under-spiritualize all the things we do when we're away from this place. And what's really easy is to say, well, that's the pastor's job. That's, that's the preacher's job. That's Brother Jason's job. That's, that's Brother Philip's job. That's Brother Kevin's job at First Baptist Andalusia. That's Brother uh, William Worley, old Bill Worley. That's his job. You know, that's, that's his job to do. That's not our job to represent our church when we're out and about in the community. I want you to know it's always your job. It's always my job. Christianity is not a part-time gig. Membership in a church is not a flippant when I feel like it, when I don't feel like it. If you act like a jerk everywhere you go, people will not want to come be a part of your church. Do you know why? Because people will say, if folks like that, if that's how they act, If that's how they treat people, if that's the kind of boss they are, if that's the kind of worker they are, if they're going to shave off time, if they're going to leave early, if they're going to treat people like garbage, like refuse, if they're going to be that impatient, if they're going to be that cocky and that arrogant, if they're going to be that self-centered and that narcissistic, why would I ever be interested in sitting in a pew with them? That's the testimony of Bethany Baptist Church. But what we think happens is we think, well, we got us a real good speaker. We got us a real good preacher. Or we got so-and-so who's going to be in the pulpit, and we need to invite people so that they'll come and hear the word from the preacher. Now, there is a very important role that preachers play. There is authority in Scripture given to preachers. But I want us to understand that there is a priesthood of every believer. If you believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, just like we talked about with Nathaniel in that baptistry, if you have confessed with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, believed in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you are a priest. Did you know that? That's your job. Full time, all the time. You are a representative. An ambassador is how Paul will say it in 2 Corinthians. You and I, if we are believers, it is our job to love people into the church and not just bethany as a church but the church universal and what you and i end up doing is well you know what bethany our our preacher just left but we got some good folks coming you you may want to come and 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 hear i'm telling you i meant it last week when i said it i mean it again this week not in any sort of self-deprecating way the worst thing about bethany baptist church is whoever the preacher is you as a church are the best thing about Bethany. And if this church is going to grow, whether it's in an interim season, whether the pastor's Nathan Daniels or whether the pastor's John Smith or whoever it might be, the church rises and falls on the priesthood of the believers of that church. You can have the most dynamic and incredible leader in the world. You could put Ronald Reagan, as wonderful as we all thought he was as a president, you could put him as the pastor and preacher at this church. He could be saved and baptized, and he could tell you the greatest messages you ever wanted to hear. But if the church is not taking on the responsibility of what it means to be a priest 
for Jesus, to be an ambassador for Christ, to be a representative of Bethany, no matter where they are, no matter who they are, no matter what they do, they work heartily as unto the Lord. In everything they do, in word or in deed, they do in the name of the Lord Jesus. Listen, it's all over Scripture. Don't don't think I just cherry-picked a couple of verses here. Turn with me, if you will, to 1 Peter. 1 Peter chapter 2. 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 9. It should be on the screen, but if you have your Bible, turn there and and mark it. This, This is who you are in Christ. This is Peter writing to the church. In the immediate sense, those who read this letter in their congregation and throughout thousands of years to us today. You, church, you, believer, you, follower of Jesus Christ, you, son or daughter of the Most High King, you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation. That's not talking about the United States of America That's not talking about Israel. That's not talking about England or France or any other country on earth. It's talking about the church universally. All those who are believers as one nation, as a group of citizens of heaven, not of citizens of any specific country here on earth. You are one holy nation, a people for his, for God's own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness, into his marvelous light. That's what's so beautiful. We were living in darkness, and now we're in light. And it's just like when the lights click on in the mornings. This morning I couldn't find something in the room, and I had to turn the lights on. And y'all, you just know it's just evil and terrible when you've been sleeping, and there's darkness in your room, and somebody flips on that light, and your eyes just feel like they're about to fall out of your head. And unfortunately, I did that without warning to my wife, and it was very torturous for her. But then, slowly, she got used to the light. And it was easy to see, and it was easy to be around. And then you forget, hey, this light is pretty special. They have to generate this electricity, and then they have to transmit it all the way to my house so that I can flip a little switch and see. But it's just second nature, right? It's just granted. It's just given. It's the same spiritually. We were walking in darkness, and God has brought us into the light, and we are to proclaim His excellencies, that we can see that there is light around us, that there was spiritual death and darkness in our soul, and now there is light. And what we like to do is say, well, you ought to come hear our preacher down there at Bethany. Well, you ought to come hear Brother Jason down there at Bethany. Boy, he does a good job of that picking and singing. Instead of saying, I was in darkness, and now I have seen the light. And I gather with a bunch of other people who were in darkness and they see the light and we worship Jesus together. And it is a powerful and moving experience because they love me and I love them. Even though they're messed up and I'm messed up, it's good. Come and be messy with us. Come and love Jesus with us because we were all in darkness and now we have all been called to light. It's not about coming to hear somebody play and sing. It's not about coming to hear somebody who's going to speak and preach and how exciting or boring they may be or not be. It's about you as a church coming together to worship Jesus, to represent him when you leave this place. Missionaries are not just people who go across the world. You're a missionary. For six years, we've talked about trying to hang a sign somewhere as you leave, but there's like 30 exits to this place, okay? So you'd have to hang a ton of signs. But we wanted it to say you're now entering the mission field. 
When you go to Southeast Gas, guess what? You go representing Jesus and representing Bethany. And whether or not people feel compelled to come to this place and worship and meet Jesus has everything to do with how you represent Jesus to them. And don't get me wrong, it's it's a good thing to invite people to church to hear a message. It's a good thing to invite people to church to hear how Jason just humbly and selflessly takes us to the throne room of grace every single Sunday. There's nobody else I'd rather have lead me in worship of the King. Don't get me wrong, it's good to invite for those things. But have you ever invited somebody to church and then they just never showed and you just didn't understand? You know, we live in the South. Hey, we should get together sometime. Yeah, that sounds great. So y'all tell me, when are you going to get together with that person? Never. It's not going to happen. You go up north and you say, hey, let's get together sometime. Michael Barton taught me this. Don't say that up north. We would say, yeah, let's get together sometime. They'd be like, all right, how about Thursday at 530? What, does that work for you? Um, uh, yeah, yeah, okay, sure. Yeah, we're getting together Thursday. All right, <laughs> sounds great. And in the South, we go, you should come to church. Yeah, that's, that sounds great. All right. Is that ever going to happen? Probably not. You know, people will come to church, though, if you say, hey, you want to come to church with me? Can I come pick you up? Can I meet you in the parking lot at X time? And I'll walk you and you can go to my class with me. Hey, maybe after church, we could go grab lunch together. It's such a subtle shift, but it's the hospitality that Jesus shows us. Hey, I'm inviting you to church with me because I love Jesus and Jesus is in me and I want the same Jesus in me to spill over into you. I don't want you to just come hear my preacher. I don't want you to come just hear my worship leader. I want you to come with me because I'm excited to go to church and I want to encourage you no matter who's preaching, no matter who's speaking, no matter what's going on, be excited to come to this place and worship Jesus with your brothers and sisters in Christ because you're a priest. You're the ambassador. You're the representative. Work heartily in all that you do. Matthew 27, 51. There used to be a curtain. Matthew 27, 51 tells us nobody could go to the Holy of Holies. That's why it was such a big deal when Zechariah goes into the temple for his turn for service. And he sees this huge angel. And he's like, ha, don't kill me. That's how they always respond. Because angels are terrifying. I don't know why we have these little cute baby pictures with wings. That's not angels. Everybody seeing an angel in the Bible thought, I'm going to die. And the first words out of the angel's mouth are, you're going to be okay. Calm down. Zechariah is blown away that he's in the Holy of Holies. This is the only time he gets to come into this place. And when Jesus dies, Matthew 27, 51, as he is on the cross, it says the curtain of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. There is no more separation. There is nothing holding you back. It's like Esther when she goes before the king. All the king had to do was not point at her and she would have been dead. But because she was the wife of the king and because her people were in peril, she goes and stands and waits. The king points the scepter. I want you to know that you go and you stand before the king of all kings, the Lord of all lords, the one who said, be, and it all was, and he points the scepter at you and says, come here, my son, Come here, my daughter, scooped you up in in his hands. And he says, what do you need to talk to me about? I'm so interested in whatever's going on in your life. Because you're a priest. Because you're his son. You're his daughter. Because you're his ambassador. Because you're his representative. 
Because you have all the power of the Holy Spirit in your heart, in your life, working through you. So don't sit there and say, I can't go before the king. By all means, go anytime, every time, all the time. Because the, the curtain is torn. There's nothing there stopping you from going to him and saying, God, I need to invite these people to come to church with me. And I'm scared out of my mind. I don't know how I'm going to do it. Will you give me the words? Next thing you know, your feet are moving towards that person. Next thing you know, your mouth is talking to that person. And maybe it's not clear. Maybe it's not beautiful. Maybe it's not eloquent. But you communicate, I love you and I love Jesus. And I want you to know Jesus the way that I know Jesus. That's how churches grow. That's how churches grow, whether they've got the most dynamic pastor in the world, whether it's an interim season, whether they've got somebody who puts everybody to sleep every time they get to church. Churches grow because of the people who are the church. In everything that you do, represent Christ. Represent Bethany. Represent this group of people. Represent this place. Draw people here by your love for Jesus. Draw people here by how the Holy Spirit's working through you. Not through some preacher. Not through some worship leader. But through you as a follower of Jesus Christ. Bethany, you are a chosen people. Bethany, you are a royal priesthood. Bethany, you are a holy nation. And so whatever you do, work heartily as unto the Lord. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we thank you that you have called us out of the darkness into your light. And Lord, if there is anybody here this morning that's still walking in darkness, they've never experienced this love that we're referring to. This fellowship with you that we're talking about. This peace. This light. Lord, I pray that you would move on their heart this very moment. And that they would be drawn to come forward and say, how do I walk in the, in the light? Lord Jesus, I know that we are entering into a season that typically in the life of the church is more challenging. God, I pray over my brothers and my sisters, my friends. Help them, Lord, to be your hands and your feet, to be your ambassadors, to be your priests, your representatives, to work heartily as unto you, to spiritualize every aspect of their lives so that they might draw people here by your power, that you might draw people here through them, Folks would come to know Jesus and see how wonderful this faith family is and want to be a part of what you're doing. Lord, we just ask, as humbly as we know how, that you'd move during this time of invitation, that we might respond in obedience. We ask this in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Church, Jason's going to lead us in another song. I want to encourage you to stand. I want to encourage you to sing. And I want to encourage you to respond as the Holy Spirit moves among us.
again just a closer walk with me granted Jesus is my Just a 